You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today, I have Wendy Broffman with me from the Harmony House. Uh, Wendy, thank you so much for being here with us today. My pleasure. Uh, Wendy, why don't you give us a little background about you as a nurse? What kind of nurse are you? Okay, well, I'm a registered nurse, uh, but I started out as a licensed practical nurse when I was 33 years old. Then I went back to school and got my RN. And I worked in home care for a long time for visiting nurse service. Then I worked at the VA hospital in Northport, uh, New York. And then when I was 54, 55 years old, I got breast cancer and I was home for a couple of years recuperating and I wanted to reinvent myself and I didn't really know what to do. And I knew I didn't really want to work for anybody else ever again. And, um, so all my friends are in healthcare in one in one form or another, um, you know, uh, you know, probably a hundred friends at all in the healthcare industry in Long Island where I live, and um, from being a home care nurse, every client I ever had said to me, usually it was the caregiver, I need respite from my husband, I need respite from my mom, I need respite. So while I was recuperating, I decided I'd never owned a home in my life. And um, I decided to go out and buy a house, a big house. And um, I lived in an apartment for 17 years on the water in this beautiful little town that I live in. And uh, I went out one day, I was driving and I saw this house. And I called up a friend of mine who's a real estate agent and said, I think I want to buy that house. And he knew why I wanted to buy it. And I bought it and I opened up a little respite house for seniors. And so now for the past five years, I've owned uh, Harmony House which is a respite home for seniors. So seniors come to me uh, when their caregivers need a break. They can come for two days. They can come for two months. They can come for two weeks. And um, that's what I do. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> First of all, I just want to say that's the craziest story I've ever heard to start off a podcast. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, that is awesome. So I'm like so blown away. I got to Get my thoughts here. Um, all right, so you uh, you said it must have been in the back of your mind. So you you knew that people needed respite care. There was no respite care out there. There wasn't a lot. Um, what? Tell me about this big house. Uh, did you have your eye on it for some time? Uh, was I this didn't. Some... I okay. didn't. I was driving on a road that I've driven on a million times, and I just happened for some reason to turn on turn off of this major road, which is called Pulaski Road, onto Park Street in Kings Park, which is neighboring the town where I used to live and I saw this house for sale and it was just a you know uh, an average size house I guess maybe a little bit bigger than average and um, it had a for sale sign on it and I called about it before I even called my friend who's a real estate agent and I spoke to the guy and he said um, you know it's for sale and he, he told me the price and I said oh yes that's a lot of money because um, it turns out that it was a legal multifamily home so it had the main floor, a basement apartment, and an apartment upstairs. And the people who had been living in it happened to be a senior, and his wife had passed away, and he moved to Brooklyn to be with his uh, daughter, who owns an apartment building there. So I asked if I could come see the house, and they said, of course, and it was empty. 
but one of the things they had done, there had been a water event at the house. I guess there had been a leak at the home. And so they redid everything in the house. So everything was brand new from the studs up. So it was good for me. And it just, so you know, it probably wouldn't, if I did it again, I probably wouldn't buy this house to do it in. But I, I fell in love with the house, just the space. And it had an apartment that I could rent um, and place for me to live, um, which again, that's something else I wouldn't do again either, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, so I bought it and uh, really I bought it on June 16th of 2016. And on August 8th, I had my first client and never looked, I never looked back. Wow. So what was the process of uh, starting a respite? Did you have to get licensed or something? Did the state have to come out? Well, you know, actually I, I don't have to be licensed and I'm not licensed uh, because I am four beds and under. So anything over five beds and you're considered an assisted living and all my friends are in the assisted living business. So I, that's one of the reasons I know it, but I did, I did do my due diligence. I went to the town. I said, you know, I didn't exactly tell them what I was going to do because I didn't want them to stop me. And I knew nothing was going to stop me from doing it regardless. And so they couldn't figure out what I could be called if I did this. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants. And I'm going to hope that my neighbors embrace me and that everybody embraces me. And really somehow they did. And because I am four beds and under, I mean, I tell my clients when they come in to take a tour of the home, I am not licensed. Um, you know, they sign a piece of paper knowing that, you know, we are not the, you know, we can't guarantee just like no place can guarantee that nothing bad will ever happen here at the house, but we're going to try our best to make sure that your, you know, your loved one is safe. We're very lucky because we can offer something that most places can't almost basically one-on-one -on -one care for your loved one, because it's one caregiver to four, to no, no more than four people. Um, and so, you know, really, I, the state is not involved at all. You know, I have, an, I have an accountant like everybody else. I have a lot of insurance. Um, and I just, um, you know, I do what I do. It's a very boutique type of atmosphere where, you know, it's like it really is like a bed and breakfast for seniors. You know, it's a beautifully uh, decorated, um, lovely home. We cook all, cook all our meals here. Um, I have, you know, three lovely women that work for me. Uh, they each live in like two and a half days a week. And I live here, so it gives it a lot of credibility because I am a registered nurse. There's not anything that I won't do, but there are certain people that I don't take. Um, and it's just worked out for whatever reason, you know, it's just worked out. So when you passed this house on that, that one day, um, did you have any idea that this was going to become the business that it's become? Um, I knew I was only buying the house to do a respite home, but I really didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know if I was going to be sitting in this big, quite honestly, half a million dollar house. And, you know, again, I had never bought a house in my life. I had, and I also hadn't worked for almost two years um, on the books, quite honestly, because I was sick. And I had to write a letter and tell them, listen, I, my, my credit score is 800. Even though I haven't worked in two years, I have an excellent credit score. I will pay for this house, I promise you. And, and I, at first I'm like, ah, they won't even give me the loan, so it won't really be an issue. But they did give me the loan. So then once I had it, I'm like, I got to make this work <laughs> because I've got to pay for this house somehow. And, you know, I knew I wasn't going back to work for anybody. So I'm like, I got to make this work somehow. And somehow or another, you know, again, I'm very lucky because I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur, a nursepreneur, <laughs> anything, you know, entrepreneur, if you're going to do it, you need to know everybody in that business. And we are, I'm very lucky 
because where I live, uh, in the state that I live in, in the, in the community that I live in, everybody, um, again, that I'm friends with and acquaintances with are in healthcare to some degree. And so when it came to marketing my business, it was really just a matter of letting every friend know and every colleague know, this is what I do. And, um, you know, if you know of anyone that needs it and it just, you know, I have all, I have, um, you know, individuals that call me, I have nursing homes that call me, I have assisted livings that call me uh, for various reasons. Maybe they need to have someone come and stay with me for two weeks because they need to, they don't have a bed ready for the person that they want to take in. So I marketed myself that way to people. You know, I'm like, oh, if you can't take someone in your assisted living for two weeks, let them come stay with me. I'll take care of them and then you can have them, you know, when you're ready. Um, you know, nursing homes wanted to get, you know, they wanted to discharge people and they weren't ready to go home yet. They could come to me. I'd get them some physical therapy, some more physical therapy through, um, you know, a company that works, you know, through Medicare um, that, that will go to somebody's home and they could come to my house for a month and then I could get them stronger and they could go home. So there was just a million ways that I could market myself and on Facebook and, and just again, just through really a lot, a lot of friends who are in this in, in, in our business. Um, and really, quite honestly, most of them, not nurses, all of them executive directors of assisted livings, social workers in nursing homes and hospitals. That's really where I get a lot of my referrals from. So are, are you um, always full, basically? <laughs> I am pretty much. I am pretty much. Um, like now I have three people. I have somebody coming in right after Christmas. So I'll have four. Then may, and, and I have a lot of repeat customers. So Mary will leave. She'll probably come back again in a couple of months when her her daughter and her husband and her kids want to go away upstate and Mary just can't go anymore. She's 93 years old. And although pretty high functioning, you know, she's got a little dementia. She doesn't walk like she used to. She falls a lot. Um, so, you know, they just don't like to take her on these, on these trips that they go to upstate to go skiing and everything. Um, so yeah, she's, you know, so I have, I have like a wall upstairs with all pictures, um, you know, of all the people that have come to me. I, I probably had, I guess in five years, maybe I would say like a, it's like a hundred different people and wow. a lot of them you know come back over and over again um yeah so yeah and you know some people i've had, I've had the longest person ever stayed here was about six months okay uh what are some like what are the some of the challenges that you get into that maybe you didn't weren't anticipating because it's like you you put a business like this together and you want everything to go well but not everything's always going to go perfectly so yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's every day is a new, you know, a new learning curve. Um, you know, probably the biggest thing I had to learn, which I'm still learning, is how to be a boss, is how to, you know, how to handle having some, you know, staff and, uh, you know, treating them right and, and getting what I want done. You know, it's always a balancing act of, you know, how do you do that? How do you, you know, when you've always been someone who's had a boss, someone over you, it's hard to figure out how to, you know, how to make things work, you know, everyone, everything's a personality. And in this case, we, we do all happen to be women. It makes it even harder. You know, everybody has their challenges being women, you know, whether it's, you know, physical, emotional, whatever it is. Um, you know, I've been very lucky. I have wonderful people. I've had, but I've had a few people, you know, come in and come out that I, you know, definitely did not work out. Um, it's, you know, that part's really scary because you're not only responsible for the people that are here, you're responsible for the people that are working for you. You know, and you, you know, you do end up caring about them, what happens to them, what happens to their families. And so it's a lot, you know, sometimes I want to blow my brains out, you know, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> but, you know, you just carry on and, uh, 
you know, and deciding, you know, in the beginning I was, I, I was going to do it with a friend of mine who's a social worker and that didn't work out because she had a baby, um, you know, deciding what they're going to eat and how much, and, you know, we want to keep them healthy, but we want to also keep them happy. Um, so it's just, you know, we want to keep the place clean and, but we also want you to relax and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a balancing act. Um, and it's, you know, you, you are when you, you know, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you are going to work 24 seven. There's not a minute that I don't work. And I take vacations, you know, I go down to Florida to visit my sister and, you know, go places, but you know, I'm never not working. I never don't answer my phone, um, 24 seven and I don't care, you know, cause I don't work for anyone. So I could care less, you know, I don't mind, I don't mind you know, answering my phone at three in the morning or, you know, when I'm on vacation, when I'm swimming in a pool, I'll answer it. And, you know, basically I just say to whoever's, you know, hey, I'm on vacation right now, you know, but I want to talk to you. I want to give you my undivided attention. Let me get your number. I'll call you back. And then when I go back to my, you know, whatever, back to my hotel, whatever it is, I'm always like, okay, you know, let me call them now. You know, I always tell people I'm never too busy to do my job. You know, yeah. just, I'm not, I'm not that important a person where I can't talk to you. And, and when you're dealing with seniors and, and families that are in crisis, they need you when they need you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean, you're, so you're responsible for all the food and I guess the, the cleaning and entertainment. Do you? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Every, you know, try to keep everyone, you know, stimulated to some degree as much as, you know, everybody wants to be. Um, yeah, you know, listen, do we watch a lot of TV? We do. We listen to music. I have volunteers that come over uh, that do music um, activities with them. You know, my girls will, you know, color with them and draw with them and read the newspaper with them. I mean, you know, the fact is, for what I do anyway, it's not the same for every entrepreneur, even if you're a nurse. For what I do, you know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. Most of the people that are with me have some degree of dementia um, and or Alzheimer's dementia, whatever you want to call it, memory loss. So we're not reinventing the wheel. Do they take naps during the day? Of course they do. They're, you know, in their 80s and 90s. And sometimes the oldest person I've ever had here was 104, you know, and she was actually a retired uh, registered nurse. Um, she was a feisty little thing. And, you know, but, you know, they're going to nap during the day. They're tired. <laughs> They've been living a long time, but that's okay. You know, I always say, you know, I just want them to be happy, healthy. And, and that's really it, you know, and well cared for. You know, I want to make sure they're clean, they're dry, they're, you know, they're well-fed. Um, they sleep well, they're safe. That's the most important thing. You know, that's really the crux of it. It's not, I always tell people, and I tell people, this is not rocket science, you know, <laughs> being, and, and being a nurse isn't rocket science. I, you know, I, you know, <clears throat> as much as I love what I do and, you know, I went to school and it took me a long time to go to school and get this, you know, I could teach anybody to give a needle. I could teach anybody to catheterize someone. You could teach a monkey how to do it. You know, it really comes from the compassion. That's, that's what, you know, that's what being a nurse to me is all about is having that compassion, you know, and being able to, uh, you know, help somebody with something, you know, the, 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 you know, all the other things are kind of secondary. If you don't care, that needle is not going to really help you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so have you uh, considered like opening uh, another house? Like would that count against your four beds if you had a second house? It wouldn't, I don't think. <laughs> I haven't really looked at it that far, but um, I have thought about it. Um, and I think I probably, if I wanted to, I could probably franchise it. And I say that with my little quote fingers, I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, I think anything's possible. If you put your mind to it, I probably could. I don't know that I want to, I'm 60 years old. Um, or actually I just turned 61. 
I don't know if I want to do that because it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm on the downside now, you know, I'm looking at, <laughs> you know, somewhat of an exit plan in the next five years or so, you know, so I don't know that I would want to do that. I would love one day to sell my business to somebody if, if that was possible, because I would love to see it live on, but I don't know if that's going to happen either. Right. Yeah. And so how do your, your neighbors feel about um, the respite care? Well, you know, we're very quiet. So I really, they have nothing to complain about. We're not having loud parties here. <laughs> um, so, you know, they know what I do. I think I actually, I know they know what I do, but I live in, it's a little bit of a straight where I used to live in Northport was a very friendly and a little bit nautical, a little bit more. I want, I don't want to say classier town, but it, it was uh, just a little bit different. Kings Park is a very old, um, established town with more of like a blue collar type people. People watch out for their neighbors, but they don't really get that close with them. Um, so they, everyone knows what I do, but because I, I, my house is beautiful and I maintain my yard. And again, we're not having parties by eight o'clock. Everybody's in bed and, you know, everybody's getting ready to wind down. So you know, nobody has ever said anything to me. And I, you know, I know for sure that two of my neighbors know exactly what I do. The other ones, they know, but we don't, it's not really something that we talk about. So I have two neighbors that I can, you know, say what's going on with me in my life. The other people, I don't really say that much because it is a business. And, you know, I also own the only um, legal multifamily in my, on my, I also have a tenant who lives upstairs who's been with me for a long time. So I'm, I'm very lucky in a lot of ways. I'm very blessed. But, and my neighbors know that I have the only legal multifamily where other people in, in the block have illegal apartments that they rent. So I think they would rather not mess with me. <laughs> so, and the, the stars all kind of align for me in some, in, to some degree. Yeah, um, they're all probably thinking they probably want to bed one time at some point for one of their so family members. That is, that is like the, you know, the joke whenever, when, when, when loved ones drop their loved ones off, they're always like, can I come back and stay here? Will you take care of me? You know, it's like the running joke. I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too funny. Um, have you ever helped anybody else to start their own respite uh, house? I haven't, you know, I know of one other lady um, in a surrounding area, not too far away. She has a house um, similar to mine, uh, but she is, um, how do I explain it? She, um, the state is somewhat involved in her house cause she's not really a respite care. She's more of a, she's kind of like, she's not an assisted living, but she's what they call like a family residence. So when you're a family residence, you have to, she is her, she is a, a, an owner operator and it is her business and her family also lives on the property. And it's a much, much bigger house than mine, even though she only takes in maybe up to six people. Um, but she more does people on a long-term basis, but she wanted to talk to me when she found out about me. So I went to go see her and she's very lovely. Um, her house doesn't look like mine. It's not quite as, um, I don't even want to say fancy because my house is not really fancy. It's just, it's cute. Um, and hers is okay. It just is a little older than mine. Um, so, you know, I did give her some advice and sometimes I even refer people to her that I maybe can't take. Um, so, you know, listen, I try to encourage people because, um, you know, although I am kind of the only game in town for what I do, um, I think other people should do it because I think there's a real need for it. And, you know, I would like, you know, I love to mentor people, you know, young or old. I think it's, you know, we, you know, that's, 
again, I'm, again, I'm so blessed to have so many people in my life that are in this industry. You know, one of my best friends just got into, she opened up a transportation company for seniors. But again, she's like me. Everybody loves her because she's been in the healthcare industry for 20 years. She has a beautiful, clean, wheelchair accessible um, uh, minivan. And so the families love her because she is not like calling an ambulance service where you have some big bubba sitting in the front seat that's shoving their mother in there and you know smoking a cigarette out the window. This is a healthcare professional that started this business and she's booming. You know she's doing great because the family's like, oh my god, we're never going to call you know TLC or Hunter Ambulance. We want you, Linda. We only want you. Um, so it's you know, and if I wanted to, I could do it. I could do it as well because there is what I've learned being an entrepreneur. The only way you can really be successful. You have to share the wealth. You can't. You can't. You know, want to take all the business for yourself because, first of all, nobody can have all the business. Sometimes you need to refer, and you can't always help everybody. You need to sometimes refer out to somebody who can help them. And I do it all the time. Sometimes people can't stay with me, and I'm like, you know, listen, these are your other options. They may not be great, and sometimes they are great, but they, I'm not appropriate for you. So let's try to find something else for you. And I have to refer somebody sometimes to a nursing home for respite care, you know, even if they just need it for two weeks, because I just, we can't physically take care of them. And, you know, when I refer somebody to somebody, they always end up referring back to me and it, you know, it's so on and so forth, but you can't help everyone because nobody has all the answers when it comes to healthcare. You know, we all have, you know, we all have talents and, you know, someone says to me, Wendy, I'm also, another thing I do, Katie, is I'm a, I'm a PRI screener. So in New York, I don't, are you, are you in New York? No, Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. So in New York, if someone needs to get into a, a skilled nursing facility, they need what's called a PRI and screen done. So that's my second business. That's my side business. So I also do that. So a lot of times people will call me and say, Wendy, do, can you do, can you do a Medicaid application too? And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not good with numbers. I have no desire to do. And you make, you can make a lot of, I mean, PRIs, you don't make, you make, you know, nothing. But when you do a lot of them, like I do, you do okay. But with a Medicaid application, you know, you can make four five, six, seven thousand $7,000. But I'm like, I don't want to do it. But I have 10 friends that do that I all trust. And I, so that's what I do when somebody says I need Medicaid application. I'm like, here's, you know, here's my friend, call her up. She'll help you. Um, and again, I try to spread the wealth because I do have a lot of friends in this industry. So I'm like, you know, at first I give it to this one, then I give one to that one. And, you know, same with me, although everybody does give me all their business <laughs> with, the, with the PRIs because I am the PRI queen. But, um, you know, that, yeah. So, yeah, it, I, 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 I'm, I'm very lucky, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I, I find this really interesting because I have had a lot of um, nurses. I have a, a big Facebook group of about 10,000 nurses and oh, a lot boy. of them, yeah, they'll ask about transportation and, you know, how do I start transportation? How do I start, um, you know, these group <laughs> homes? That's the big thing. And, uh, you know, is, so your respite home is different than a group home. It is. Well, I mean, as far as I know, you know, I only know, I only know New York. So, I mean, a group home to me is something for people that have, developmental disappointments usually that up here in new york a group home is usually i would say probably 99% of the time is for people that have you know whether it's down syndrome um, cerebral palsy um, um, uh, traumatic brain injuries all those type of things so that up here you know that would usually fall under like a like a 401 a 403b or something like that a nonprofit um, and some of them i guess are for profit as well 
Um, I also worked at a United Cerebral Palsy in Bayville, New York, um, and that was a group home, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, group homes are wonderful, you know. Um, it's you know, I'm again, I'm very lucky because I do kind of fly under the radar. I, you know, I'm everything I do, I get paid privately. So again, that's another benefit to me. Um, I don't have to deal with Medicare and Medicaid and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and, but sometimes again, sometimes it hurts me because there are people sometimes that I can't take because they can't afford me. Right. And I'm very reasonable, but they still can't afford me. Right. And, right. Yeah. Know. I don't know how people live off of Medicare and Medicaid because I know for myself, I've built services in the past and it's like six months down the line and I'll, and I'll get a paycheck and I'm like, uh, I forgot about this, to be honest. I forgot right, what right, I was waiting right. for this. Like, how do people function like this? I don't understand. Right. But um, but I think, you know, there are some places like this other respite home, we're not res this family residence, she does take Medicaid, but she also can, can ask for money privately as well. So that's, you know, Medicaid can pay for part of it. And then you can also be private pay as long as you're not a not-for-profit. Okay. Yeah, so there are ways to get around, you know, certain things, you know. Um, I guess it's all how, you know, I mean, listen, I'm again, I'm not, I, I'm not a rocket scientist. I only know what I know because I, you know, I, I, I'm a bulldog when it comes to what I want to do. But that's all I know, you know. I'm, I'm not, I, I won't say I'm not a jack, jack of all trades because I am to some degree. But I know what I know, you know, I know, I know seniors and I know their families and I know what to say to them and how to make them feel good and what to do for them. But I don't know everything. So, you know, if somebody wants to open up a group home, listen, you, you do your research, I guess, and you see, you know, you know, I, I tell everyone, you know, I don't think anybody would would want to be an entrepreneur. You have to, you know, you have to work twice as hard as everybody else. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. You are always I'm always on. You know, sometimes my face hurts from talking. You know, even right now I'm sitting here talking to you in my bed. I'm very cozy. We just had a major snowstorm up here. You probably you too up there. And I'm sitting with my Yorkie and, you know, on my bed in my, you know, with, with my comfortable clothes on. And, um, but I'm working, you know, I'm doing PRIs, I'm calling people, I'm talking to you, um, you know, making sure everyone's good upstairs and doing laundry. Um, but, you know, I, it, it never ends. You know, sometimes by the end of the day, I'm just like, oh my God, if I have to speak to one more person, I'm going to shoot myself. But I love what I do. You know, I love it. When I hang up the phone, I'm like, all right, you know, another problem solved. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. why we always talk about, you know, doing something that you enjoy doing and not chasing after money because, like, when you chase after money as an entrepreneur, it's it's never going to go well. It just doesn't. Right. No, it isn't. It isn't. You have to, so. you know, be good at what you do and, and you have to, you know, there are going to be good days, bad days, in-between days. Um, but I think, you know, after doing this, I know I can do anything. You know, that I know. Um and I think anybody can do anything. You know, you just have to, you have to stick with it. And I think my biggest, if this is all about entrepreneurs and especially for nurses, because there's a ton of stuff. I mean, and, and you know, I make good money and, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of that, that I do, uh, but I work really hard, like I said. But if, I think the biggest advice I would give to anybody who is trying to start any kind of business, whether it's a cupcake business or it's a respite house or whatever it is that you want to do, you can't be afraid. You know, my sister taught me something. My sister is also in healthcare. She actually owns an 18-bed assisted living, which is just like any other assisted living. It just happens to be small in Ronkonkoma, which is a few towns away from me. Um, and she also is a senior advocate. So she helps people find assisted living um, when they when they want to leave their home. So, and again, she's with all of our friends. We're all, you know, together. But she taught me a lot because... Um, 
she said, you know, you have to, when you first start out and you have a business, one, you can't be afraid and you have to spend money to make money. If you are going to do anything, I mean, listen, I'm not cheap by any stretch of the imagination, but I do have fear. Unlike my sister who really didn't have any fear when she started her business 30 years ago. So when I bought this house five years ago and I really wasn't working and I didn't have, I didn't have a ton of money in the bank. And my sister said, Wendy, we are going to go to Raymore and Flanagan's and you're going to order $10,000 worth of furniture and you're going to do this and you're going to, and I'm like, Tracy, I can't. She goes, Wendy, you got to furnish the goddamn house. You got to do it. I said, but I can't. I, that's too much money. And I'm wringing my neck as I'm saying it because I remember doing it and then having to buy $10,000 more worth of stuff to get in the house and then to pay people to take the fence down and put a new fence up and to do the landscaping. I'm like, oh my God, you know, me who was living in this gorgeous apartment on the water for the last 17 years, paying $1,000 a month rent, very, very, very happy in my little town. And I was like, I can't do this. And she's like, Wendy, you got to do it. You bought the house. You have to do the respite house. You're going to have to spend some money. And that was my biggest hurdle was putting out that money and saying, am I ever going to be able to pay this back? Because I am a person who was in no debt ever. I don't like debt. I'm very responsible. So I knew, and you know, as it turned out, I paid off my Raymore and Flanagan card within, you know, probably a year and, you know, paid off all the people that, you know, listen, the day I bought the house, two days later, my cesspool went, it cost me $6,000. I went to the bank, I paid them and, you know, did what I had to do, but I was scared the whole time. And, you know, listen, I'm still scared sometimes, but you have to, if you're going to open any kind of business, you can't be afraid. You have to just say, you know what, you have to live like you're, like you're a millionaire. You know, you have to live like you're rich and live like, you know, you have to, if you need, you know, like I got six cable boxes, I got six TVs in my house and it's for the, you know, I only have one TV, it's for everybody upstairs and, you know, but you got to do it. You know, I have to, you know, when, when I complain about my cable bill to cable and they say, well, if you get rid of one of the boxes, I'm like, I can't, I need all of them. I need a TV in each room. I have to have it. And I'm like, and then I remember I say to myself, Wendy, you know, you, it's okay. You know, you can afford it. You can pay for the cable box, you know, even if you don't want to, you still have to, but that's the thing. You just have to, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you have to spend money if you're going to make money. You know, the business cards at first, I'm like, you know, I, or when I made my brochure is even better, you know, which, you know, costs more money than a card. And I use Vistaprint like most people. And I'm just like, oh, my God, these brochures are going to cost me, you know, $544 and, you know, for, you know, whatever, a thousand brochures or whatever, which really, when you, when you look at it, it's really nothing. It's, you know, pennies. But I'm like, Tracy's and my sister's like, Wendy, you must do this. Stop it. You have to do this. And I'm like, okay, you know, I had to do, I had to ask her a hundred times. I, I don't think I should do this. She's like, no, you have to do it. And then of course, you know, my brochures, I had a thousand brochures and they went out to a thousand different people. And, you know, that's why my business is thriving because I, you know, did that because I, you know, go out to networking events and I give them my business card and my brochure. And they're like, oh my God, I love your brochure. It's wonderful. And oh my God, I can't believe anything like this exists or whatever. But yeah, it hurt me every time I had to spend money, but now it doesn't hurt as bad because now I know if I put something out there in the universe, it'll come back to me in some way or another. And you, you have to, you just, you know, you, you can't do anything without, um, you know, you got to have something to, to give to the people. And, you know, that costs money. In my case, it's furniture and it's food and it's brochures and it's cards and it's, you know, my cell phone and, you know, all the things that, you know, you think that are going to break you, but they don't. And, um, and you become successful, you know.
you just summed up like entrepreneurialism for me. Like that was so wonderful. I'm going to use this uh, podcast episode for every meeting I hold. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> you just got to listen to Wendy for like five minutes. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, this is really, really awesome. Um, I really appreciate this. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, if they're interested in, in what you're doing and that kind of stuff, how could they get in, how could they get in touch uh, with they you? They can either call me uh, as long as they're not a weirdo. Just make sure you don't give my number to anybody strange. Uh, they can call me at my number, which do you have my phone number? I do. Yes. Okay. So they can call me or they can email me um, at WNB9898 at AOL.com. Um, yeah. That's how they can reach me. All right. I look at my email, you know, 10 times a day. I always have my phone with me. Um, yeah. And what, what about your, Katie, what about your, your, um, uh, hang on, your Facebook page that you have for nurses? Uh, yeah, like the, this podcast will go out to that group, and I know they're going to be interested. Um, that's why I'm asking, you know, if they could get in touch with you via Facebook. Uh, the email, I think, would be a great idea. Um, yep. So I, I think they'd be very interested in, in hearing and more. And how do about, I find your Facebook page? Oh, that's uh, we're um, Facebook.com slash. Well, I'll send you the I'll send you the link. Um, okay, and, good get you in there but uh i just want to you know thank you so much for being on this podcast today it's my pleasure <laughs>